Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to see you. And uh, if you are not familiar, I am Eric Most, the lead pastor here, and uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, this is uh, the most wonderful time of year, and, and I realize some of you would say, well, you might argue with that and go, ah, well, I know that's what people say, but I don't know that that's what, the way I feel, and, uh, and maybe deservedly so, and if we sat down over lunch and I heard your story, maybe we, we would come to the same conclusion, and, uh, and maybe that's because uh, you've experienced loss around uh, this time of year, maybe you've experienced loss this last year. Um, maybe it's because uh, Christmas kind of got messed up for you um, as a child and, and growing up. Um, it could be for a myriad of reasons, and maybe it's because of someone who's sitting here with you that, um, and, and you're, you would say, you know what, um, I don't know that I love this time of year because um, family all gets together, and our family is a little dysfunctional, and uh, and so it's just kind of hard. And some of you, you might be here, and uh, and you're here a, a little bit under protest. You're you're here because mom said, if you love me, you're gonna go to. And you're like, well, I love you, mom. So I guess I'm coming. And so um, you're here, but you don't necessarily really want to be. And maybe you had uh, faith as a child, but then you kind of grew out of that. And uh, and you're like now I'm an adult and so I don't I, I I left this you know childhood version of my faith and and I can't really wrap my mind around something that honestly is supernatural it's it's just kind of unbelievable and that would make perfect sense uh, because you you want to see something that's natural you want to see natural evidence and uh, and. And absolutely, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and that's why I think the story of Christmas is, ex- is extraordinary when you actually look into it. And you don't just look at it from afar and just kind of come to some assumptions and kind of come to some cl- conclusions. Um, because when you do that, it would make total sense that you would walk away from your childhood version of, of faith. Um, but when you actually look at the backstory of Christmas... You start looking at it and you're like, okay, all right, well, this, this isn't supernatural stuff. This is natural stuff that I have to actually wrap my mind around and say, I, I can't dispute those things. And, 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 and it leads me right up to the story of Christmas. So then what am I going to do with the story of Christmas? See, Christmas didn't start with you know, a couple that couldn't figure out how they got pregnant. It started with a couple that didn't think they would ever get pregnant. It didn't start with a couple that, you know, couldn't figure out where they were going to have a baby. It started with a couple that didn't think they were ever going to have a baby. See, God made a promise to Abraham 4,000 years ago, a little over 4,000 years ago, 2,090 years before Jesus And he promised him that he would become a nation. And and we would be like, well, well, yeah. yeah." And he became a nation. In fact, you could get online and you could buy a ticket and fly there. He promised he would become a nation. He became a nation. And and he made these promises to Abraham. And and I'm sure Abraham's kind of like, a nation? How about just a child? (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm 75. I don't think it's going to happen. God, I, you know, I don't think this is, you know, it, it's the same thing as if, you know, he would have told us that. In fact, um, 
Abraham and Sarah, they didn't even have a child until, you know, he was in their 90s. In fact, if you look in the scripture, if you don't read the Bible, you should read the Bible. It's amazing. It's filled with all kinds of amazing stuff. And in the Bible, it actually says that his plumbing was all dried up. That, I mean, I don't know what the 2022 version of that is, but I'm not sure I want to hear it, right? So it's kind of like, I just don't think it's going to happen. And, uh, and, and so when you're thinking, okay, he said that, you know, you're going to become a nation and... And that's not even possible, you know, physically possible for that to happen at that age. And it happened. Okay, I'm going to sit up and pay attention. And and, and the second thing that God promised Abraham is that everyone would know his name and that people all across the world would know his name, that his name would become famous. And here we are, and and, and I, I can't even begin to actually bring the, the, the depth to which this is amazing. 4,000 years later, people, 4,000 years later, every you, everybody online, 4,000 years later on the other side of the planet, on a side of the planet they didn't even know existed at the time when God was talking to Abraham, he's like, world, what's that? You know, And here we are 4,000 years later, and pretty much everybody on the planet has heard of the guy named Abraham. Okay, well, that should make me, pay, you know, sit up and pay attention. That, that's natural. Like, I, that's, un, that's indisputable. And the third thing that God promised Abraham is that every single person on the planet, every household on the planet would be blessed through his lineage. And, and I'm sure the nation of Israel, as they passed these promises down through the ages, and, uh, and, and they heard all of the stories about Father Abraham, they're, they're thinking, I don't think, you know, two out of three is pretty good. I don't think the third one's going to happen, right? I, I, I don't think everyone on the planet is going to be blessed, you know, through our nation. And then Jesus was born. See, it's extraordinary, and, and he came not just for the Jewish nation. He came for all the people, and what's amazing is not only did the world need Jesus, but God needed Christmas. And, and part of you, you know, some of you, you might be like, God didn't, he doesn't need nothing. He, did, he didn't need Christmas. But so hold on for just a second as I try to explain this. See, how in the world would a God who is spirit communicate to a world that is physical, that can see, that can touch, that can feel, that has bodies? How is he going to communicate to really a group of people that don't trust very easily? And come on, we can't even get our teenagers to trust us, right? They're kind of like, mom, come on, mom and dad, nothing's going to happen. We're just going to be in Vegas for a week. Nothing's going to happen. You, And we're like, no, nope, I don't think that's a good idea. And they're all upset and they don't trust us that we know best, right? I mean, we can't even get our teenagers to trust us. How in the world is a God who is spirit going to communicate to a world that is physical what he feels about them? How's he going to get them not only to understand the depth of his love for them, 
How's he going to get them to trust him? And not just kind of sort of trust him, like trust him with every single part of their life. How's he going to do it? See, God needed Christmas to demonstrate his love for us, to have an event in history that would demonstrate his love for us and in a, in a, a demonstration, an event that could be documented so that all future generations, and here we are 2,000 years later talking about it because it's been documented for us. And so God needed Christmas to be able to communicate to this rebel race that would not easily trust him, that because of this event in history that could never, ever be taken away, and not just the birth of Jesus, but then the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that event in history that everyone could point to and say, you know what? It's not just something I believe, it's something that happened. And based on the thing that happened in history, and you know what, they could burn our Bibles, they could take us, you know, take everything away from us, but the event still happened. And because of that event, we can know with certainty what God feels about us, that he is for us, that he loves us, and the depth to which he would go, and we sung about it, that, that he would pursue us to, to a degree that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around to show us that he is for us, he is not against us. And then sometimes I, I feel like, and as a pastor, I, I feel like I get this kind of front row seat to, uh, to this playing out in people's lives, and it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, and maybe it's one of the reasons why you kind of walked away uh, from, from Christianity, because you're kind of like, well, I tried it once, it didn't really work. And maybe it didn't really work because you didn't really understand how it was supposed to work. Because see, maybe you just thought, I, you know, I get forgiveness of sin, and then I get to go to heaven when I die. And, and eternity starts when I die. And, and in between, I just, you know what, I, I, I keep doing these things I don't want to do. In fact, I can't even really understand myself. There's things I know that aren't right, but I do them anyway, and I'm in this kind of weird thing where it's kind of like, I don't want to do that. In fact, when I start doing that, I really don't like who I become, and, and, and I don't really, you know, like that. And, and so I just kind of go in this perpetual circle where, where it's, it's like forgiveness of and, and then I just run back to the, to the sin. And, and, and in fact, maybe part of your deal is you, you, don't, you don't think you have any sin. And, and I get that. You, maybe you just feel like, you know what, Eric, I'm not really a sinner. That, in fact, that's offensive. And I would agree with you. It, it is offensive. Um, <clears throat> maybe it's like, I just have made some mistakes. But come on, let's be honest. If all we do, have done is made some mistakes, well, then all we need is a do-over. Right? I mean... All we need is, is a second chance. And, you know, so I just go back to what Jesus' definition of sin is. Jesus' de definition of sin is doing anything intentionally that hurts someone else. And once we have done that, it breaks this, this standard, it breaks this, 
this, uh, the, the, the standard of a, of a perfect, um, you know, uh, perfect behavior, a holiness, it, it breaks that, and so it breaks this relationship with God, which is the whole reason why God wanted to come to remove this obstacle, and the obstacle he needed to remove, this ginormous obstacle that was between us and God, is sin. And he knew that there was nothing that we could do to remove the obstacle. We didn't need a second chance. We didn't need a do-over. It was way bigger than that. We needed a savior. And if I could just have a do-over, if I could just have a second chance, and, and somehow or another, maybe I could do, you know, make up for the thing that I did that I know that I shouldn't have done, and I don't like that I did it, and I know that that hurt those people, and if I could take it back, I'd take it back, but I can't take it back. And so maybe if I just, I don't know how it works, so maybe if I do enough good things, I could somehow balance it out, and then when I die, I'll get to, if I've balanced it enough, the scales will come in my favor and God will let me in heaven because I don't know exactly how it works. See, at Christmas time, we don't celebrate that there's forgiveness of sin. We celebrate that there's forgiveness from sin. God didn't come, he, he didn't send Jesus that we could have eternal life when we die. He came that we could start eternal life when we placed our faith in him, that right now he invites us out of the kingdom that, that is this world, and he invites us as we live here into a brand new kingdom. He wants to give us a new passport. He wants to give us a new citizenship. He wants to give us a new nation to live in. It is the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom, in that kingdom, I have been delivered from sin. It is no longer my master. The power of sin has been broken. I no longer have to obey it when it comes calling. It is not my master. It is not my boss. I don't have to do what it says I should do. And that's old world living. I'm not a part of that world anymore. I'm not a part of that nation anymore. I have a new citizenship. And in this new citizenship, in this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, it is characterized by a life that is filled with faithfulness, trustworthiness, self-control, patience. In this new kingdom, it, it's characterized by kindness. In this new kingdom, I, have, I know how to deal with anger in this new kingdom, I, I know the antidote to anger, and, and I'm able to, to, to navigate it. In fact, some of you, you, you get to my age, and you're 50 and above, and you're carrying around a low to mid-grade anger. In fact, some of you, and maybe you're watching online, you kind of would say, you know, you wouldn't say you have a mid to high-grade anger, but you ask your spouse, and if they were honest with you, which they wouldn't be, because if they were, you would find out they have the high grade of anger, um, but if they were really honest with you and kind of like, well, yeah, you kind of do. And it kind of leaks out of you all over the place and, and you don't really like that and, and you're not sure. In fact, there's stuff that comes out of you. In fact, um, sometimes it comes out of you in family gatherings. <laughs> Imagine that. Maybe that's where you're like, and that's why I don't like Christmas. And that's why you need Jesus. And so that's why we're here celebrating him. Because in this kingdom of God, I have the antidote to anger. I know how to deal with it. And I know that the antidote to, to anger is forgiveness. 
You're like, ah, no, no, no. But see, I understand in the kingdom of God that the one who actually pays, you know, when you hold on to anger is, is, is you. That I'm the one who pays when, when I hold on to that. And so, you know what? As I look at the cross and what Jesus did for me when he came and he had the event of the death, burial, and resurrection, that at the cross, my sin debt was forgiven. God looked at me and said, Eric, you don't owe me anymore. We're good. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a sweet place to be. And it has nothing to do with what I have done. It's just simply the fact that I said, yes, that's what I like. That's what I want. And you know what? He offered the free gift to me. In this kingdom of God is characterized with no jealousy. See, I don't have to have any jealousy. I don't have to look over there and go, oh, look what they got for Christmas. <laughs> and all of you siblings, you're, you're going to, well, they got five presents and I got three. <laughs> See, in the kingdom of God, I don't have to go there. In the kingdom of God, I'm kind of like, man, I'm glad you got five presents and I got three. I'm so grateful for three. I don't even deserve one. So three, are you kidding me? That's amazing. See, it translates into this life of gratefulness because in the kingdom of God, gratefulness just overflows out of us. And this life of generosity, see, in the kingdom of God, I no longer see people by their race, and I no longer value people by their race, and I no longer value people by what they look like, and by what they're wearing, and by what they say, and, and, and what they do for a living, and what their last name is, and how much money they have in the bank, and you know what their car looks like, and what their house looks like, and what their kitchen looks like, and what they drive. I no longer value any of those things, because in the kingdom of God, Every single person that I come eyeball to eyeball with is someone for whom Jesus died. And so all of a sudden in the kingdom of God, everybody has value. And I, and I give everyone respect. I give everyone value. See, when Jesus came and said, I, want, I came to give you eternal life, it wasn't when I died. It is right now. And, and he said, I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you abundantly. That's abundant life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Gothenburg campus? Can you imagine crossing what it would look like if every single one of us who were following Jesus, just the Jesus followers, for just a second, for just the Jesus followers, what if just us lived in the kingdom of God full bore as if we believed all of that? What if we actually took you know what, we believed all of that and we actually lived out all of those Jesus values in the kingdom of God. We would take it to our spouse, we would take those values to our family, to our children, in our parenting, to our schools, to our workplace, to the different areas that, that we have influence in the city. Can you imagine what Gothenburg would look like? It would be the sweetest place on the planet to live in. See, when we celebrate Christmas, it, it's not just a baby in a manger. Come on. It's so much bigger. It's so much better. 
than that. See, we're celebrating not just the forgiveness of, but the deliverance from, the power of sin in our life. So I want to take just a minute to read for you the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Luke, who was a doctor and recorded all of these things and, and sat down with eyewitnesses and took an orderly account, this is what he says, and this is what he, how he says it happened. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And when you begin to read Luke, you're going to start to notice Luke is extremely detailed. Like he says who the names are and when it was. Like it was history or something. Because it was. See, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But an angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to, you ready for this? All people. The third promise that God gave to Abraham, that there would be a blessing for all the people, not just the Jewish people, not just the good-looking people, not just the rich people, not just the good people, all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel 
had told them. And then in verse 25, this is amazing. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout uh, man and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen with my very own eyes your salvation, which you have prepared for, you ready for this? All the people. All the people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, to show the nations what God is like, that he loves them. He is for them, not against them. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. This kingdom of God It is ruled not by the law of God. It is ruled by the Spirit of God. And Jesus wants to invite every single one of you, if you have never, ever crossed the line of faith, you have never placed your faith in Christ. In fact, maybe you've you've just stiff-armed him. Maybe you're online and you have never, ever Cross the line of faith. But as you look at the kingdom of God and as you investigate, and, and then the least what I would love for you to do is that would you at le- in the least investigate it and not investigate it out here, but investigate it up close? Because if that is true, if it is true, if God really did, if Jesus really did come to earth as a baby and and live a perfect life and die and was buried and rose again and the power of sin is broken and I can live in this kingdom that's characterized by these Jesus values, sign me up for that. And I hope that you will investigate it. And I hope that you will put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because you're surrounded by people all across not only this auditorium, but all across the world, who would say with personal testimony that Jesus has radically changed their life. And he wants to change yours too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us deeply. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you gave. And it wasn't just an average gift. You gave us your son. Jesus, thank you for being willing to lay down your life for us, to remove the obstacle of sin so that we could have a relationship. God, if there's someone here in this auditorium, if there's someone online watching right now that has never said yes I want Jesus in my life. 
And I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus to save me from myself. I pray that right now, they would do just that. Jesus, would you take a hold of their heart and begin to radically change it? God, would you help the rest of us to realize that you don't want us to just have bottom rung living of forgiveness of sin, but you have come to deliver us from sin, to break the power of it in our lives. And I pray that you would help us to understand that we've been called into a different kingdom. May we, may we embrace that, step into that. God, help us to live that out in our everyday lives. I pray in Jesus' name.